In Romans chapter 12 and verse 4, it says, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we have many, so we being many are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A companion passage to that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Beginning in verse 14. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. For if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the, again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be the weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should be the same, have the same care for one another. What does it take? What does it take to be what we might consider accommodatively in the language to be a member of good standing in a fellowship of people like this? I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes if, if we don't think on the level of, of what it means to be a member of the Kiwanis, or the Lions Club, or Rotary, what would it take to be a member of good standing in those clubs? Well, one might say they need to attend the meetings, at least most of them. Uh, one might say they need to pay their dues. But that's a little risky because we really don't know who pays what. Uh, and then someone might say, well, we need to obey all the rules. Except there's none perfect. So what would it take to be considered faithful? Well, attend most of the meetings. Make your contributions and obey all the rules. But I would like to challenge that. I would like to significantly challenge that this morning. You know, when the kids were home, up until the time they were both 18 years old, they had a curfew. And parents, I'm not trying to stick a needle in your balloon with your kids. I'm just telling you what worked for us. But when each one turned 18, I told them, you no longer have a curfew. 
Jody thought when I told Cody Glenn that I had lost my mind. But I really knew what I was doing. And you know, when they came in, actually, when they didn't have a curfew, they came in earlier than they did with the curfew because they were pushing the rules. And now they had to make the rules. But you know, when they had a curfew and they came in, I never had to ask them, Son, where's your right arm? Cam, where'd you leave your left leg? Why? Because they were connected together. There was an interdependence that their limbs had with their body. And they could no longer separate themselves from that than they could from living. Their right arm was going to go wherever they went. The left leg was going to go wherever they went. It was interconnected. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned that, that we have a, a mindset. And I say that term we generally. I'm not trying to focus on anybody. And maybe it's more from my thought process than anybody else's. So I just take blame for that. Is that when someone comes here and, and they visit a while and they, they come to one of the elders and they say, we want to be a member here. Well, the normal course of which the elders for years have followed is that then they'll meet with that person or persons and they'll talk with those persons or that person. And we sit around the table and I'll say, my name is Ricky and this is Joe and, and this is Terry and this is Brett and this is James and this is Rick. Or it might just be two of us in there. Normally, it's not all, all six of us. It's just maybe two or three. If someone comes to Joe, Joe will grab Terry, he grab Breck, and they'll meet with somebody and say, yes, tell us about yourself. Tell us, how did you come to the Lord? Tell us about your baptism. And have you been married before? And then we'll describe something about the work here. And so... All things being kosher, an announcement is made. We'd like to let you know that Martin and Debbie Henderson would like to be considered members of this congregation. Will you please stand? And the social club begins. They're faithful if they have all their attendance. They're faithful if they pay their dues. They've got to make their contribution, but we don't know how much because that's none of our business. And obey all the rules. And if they don't do that, then they're not faithful. I would suggest to you that is a country club mentality. That our relationship in Christ, our relationship with one another, is more than just simply okay saying. I want to be a member here. It is something deeper and greater than, okay, I stood, I was recognized, my card is punched, I've tried to obey the rules as much as I can, and I have given my contribution. There's a deeper interconnectedness than that. And I want to share three things with you this morning, and then at the end of this, share some things that I hope will be exciting to each one of you, because it's exciting to the elders and the deacons that have 
what I'm going to propose together. The first thing I would like to suggest to you is believers belong when there's an emphasis on dependence, not independence. When there's an emphasis on dependence, not independence. Gary Henry, in one of his blogs, wrote this. Interdependence is a higher value than independence. If we can't see that, perhaps we've been confused more than we realize by the various misconceptions of independence that are so much in vogue today. Yet misguided independence can hurt us every bit as much as the unhealthy dependence which we are so eager to avoid. Interdependence is a cooperative relationship in which individuals yield some of their independence to others in a relationship for the purpose of achieving a mutual goal or realizing a shared vision. It involves trust, commitments, collaboration. And it's based on the understanding that great challenges of life call for a bit of together work now and then. Interdependence produces what has been called synergy. An effect produced by the joint action of two or more people which would be incapable of producing individually. One person brings to the work certain qualities or abilities. Others are supplied by another person. And in the end, a result is reached that marvelously multiplies what any of the parties could have created alone. So interdependence goes beyond independence. The courage of independence. Interdependence adds humility. The humility to recognize when we can do more together than we can separately. Interdependence, as many have noted, is a choice that only independent people can make. It requires a strength of character not possessed by those who are still bogged down in blaming and and evasion of responsibility. So if we've grown dependence and come to see the value of independence, that's good, but it's even better if we've come to appreciate the synergistic power of interdependence. Indeed, one of the major measures of personal maturity is the extent to which we've learned to live and work interdependently. If we're not there yet, we should at least make sure we're growing in that direction. There are several things that Gary mentions there that I think are so valuable for us to think about when we think about this idea of dependent versus independent. It's not unusual to hear someone say, well, I just need Christ, I don't need the church. Well, I would think then that Paul would disagree with that in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, we value, especially in the United States of America, and especially in my beloved Texas, where we every year remember the Alamo and the independence that it took to secure our freedom. We are an independently minded people in America and it is a rugged individual individualism that defines Americans. But that wasn't what Paul thought he needed when he came to Jerusalem after being three years in Arabia. He came back to Jerusalem where he had been guilty of putting many that were Christians there to death or consenting to their death. And wanted to what? Join himself to the disciples there. 
Not so he could pay his dues. Not so he could obey all the rules. And not so he could all of his attendance card punch perfectly. But because he wanted to be dependent on them as he was coming and going. The word for this is what we just spent back in April a week talking about. And it's the word that Ralph shared with us over and over again. Each night of the week it's called fellowship. That word fellowship speaks of a partnership. It speaks of a mutuality. It speaks of a dependence and interdependence on one another. It means I'm your partner, you're my partner. We are partners one with another. A local church is a fellowship of people who are in partnership together. There has been a mutual agreement for each to put their shoulder to the work. It is not based on any independent individual. It is based on all who have the humility, as Gary described it, to recognize we can do more together than we can separately. But it takes, it takes commitment. It takes understanding. It takes long-suffering. It takes forbearing. It takes a willingness to step outside of ourselves. In Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5. Listen to how Paul will say this beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. He says there's been a change. There's been a change in us if we are Christ. And if we're being walk, walking by the, if we're walking by the Spirit or being led by the Spirit, there's been a change in us. And that is seen in our attitude, that's seen in our disposition toward one another, that is seen in how we have changed in relationship to others. So the first thing we need to emphasize when we think about this aspect of belonging to one another, when we think about this aspect of fellowship, we emphasize dependence, not independence. Second of all, we emphasize equality, not superiority. Turning back to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, this time verse 3. Romans chapter 12, this time verse 3. For I say, through the grace of God given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of your faith. The underlying premise of that passage is this. Think highly of yourself. Because he can't warn against thinking too highly of yourself if we don't, first of all, think highly of ourselves. So what he says is, first of all, think highly of yourself, but not too high of yourself. Why? He says, 
God has dealt each one a measure of faith. What you have, you have as a gift from God. That's what you have. Whatever you have, you have as a gift from God. Whatever we possess, we possess as a gift from God. What that tells us is this. Every one that is a part of this fellowship, or as Paul describes it in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that is a part of the body of Christ, is important. Please understand, there are many functions, but there's only one role. Servant. An evangelist is not higher than anybody else. That's just a function. An elder is not higher than anybody else. That's just a function. A deacon is not higher than anybody else. That's just a function. A Bible class teacher is not higher than anybody else. That's just a function. I can function in the area of service as an evangelist. Or someone can function in the area of service as an elder. Or deacon. Or Bible class teacher. There are many Areas of function, but there's only one role, and that is of servant. And it's a servant of the Most High God. A servant of the Most High God. And what that means is, therefore, there, everybody, everyone is important. When you look across this partnership, this mutuality of people, We call the Campbell Road Church, which is a fellowship of God's people. We are a mixed group in most every idea you can throw about what is mixed. We come from the north, the east, the south, and the west. Not only in Texas, but in the United States. We've been blessed with good folks from Oregon and and Seattle and that area in the northwest. We're blessed with folks from Mexico. We have people from all over here. We have people who are PhD, MDs, and DV. I got even got a DVM. And we got a host of people who have a PhD from the University of Hard Knocks. That's where I got mine. And we have people who are white collar and blue collar. And every other kind of color, color workers. And we have people from every socioeconomic background. We have people from an agricultural field. We have people from farms, from rural. We have people from cities, from metropolitan areas. We have people from a metropolitan area who would not know a cow from a pig. But they know the Lord from Satan. And that means that in this fellowship of people, there is no me. It is we. In the New Testament, to be part of a fellowship of people was more than simply having a name on a roll. And that's all we reduced it to then we've missed the idea of what it is to be a part and to have a share in and be partners. 
Can I illustrate how that often manifests itself? The me versus we? You ever been involved in a conversation with somebody and the conversation flows like this? Well, they said. Or others think, others feel, others have said. Wait a minute, time out. Time out. Tell me who the they are. Tell me who the others are. Because this is we, this is not me. Well, I'm going to protect them. I'm, I'm not going to tell you who they are. I've told them to come talk to you. If they don't come talk to you, that's their problem, not my problem. But there are others who think, others who feel. They have said, wait a minute. When we've said that, we've not protected anybody. We've just invite, indicted 400 people. We haven't protected a soul. There's been no magnanimity on, on the part of the person who said, well, they said, but I'm not going to tell you who they is. They have to come to you. Others just said, but they have to come to you. No. You've indicted everybody. Now I'm wondering, okay, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Did you say that? Did you say that? Who said that? No. If I can't say who said it, then don't say it. Because this is about we, not me. You see, we're looking at equality, not superiority. And when I say they said it or others said it, intended or not, what it says is, I know something you don't know. And you need to know it, but I'm not going to tell you what you know, what you need to know. I'm superior in you than you in some way. No. Every person is important. And that brings me to the third consideration. There's harmony, not hostility. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And read, me this, read with me this time, verses 12 and 13. For as the body is one, has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are of one body, so also is Christ. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. Do you see the harmony that's there? There's a harmony that's there. There's a harmony, not hostility. You know, when a young man, a young woman, or an older man, older woman stand before the preacher, whoever officiates, Whoever officiates the ceremony in a wedding. Usually, maybe not 100%, but usually there's something like this said. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder, and the two shall be one. But now you've got a woman who came from one kind of family. You've got a man that came from a different kind of family. And now you're going to bring those personalities from those families into this relationship as well as the pattern of thinking that has been developed as well as all the socioeconomic things developed as well as whatever the dysfunction of one is and the dysfunction of the other is. You bring all that to and now the two are going to be one. And they have a problem functioning. 
because they haven't yet learned to have one mind. You see, fellowship is not me-ship, it's not your ship. It is fellowship. And marriage is the ultimate of what that fellowship is. And what that says is, when I come to you and you come to me, I'm going to do what I can to create harmony in this relationship, not hostility in this relationship. But it would, be, would it be a far stretch of an observation to make this? That instead of in harmony in many marriage relationships, there are marriage relationships that just exist with two people under the same roof. If I might make that observation, would I maybe be too far afield in making this observation? That when you have a fellowship of people like we are collected here, that instead of having a fellowship, like you have a marriage that exists under one roof, we have a collection of people that simply exist under one roof. We've all collected, but there's not been a joining together. They're still acting in concert. What might impede that harmony? Well, it might be we, we have not become dependent on each other. It may be that we have not recognize our equality together in spite of our differences or with our differences. I would suggest a few other things. It's a possibility, not a probability. It's a possibility, but not a probability that some false teaching would take place. That's a possibility, but not a probability. Not with the strength of the present elders you have and not with the strength that are the people of this church who have a strong love for Bible knowledge. That would be challenged. It might be some external force. It might be something externally that, that would disrupt the harmony. And that's a possibility. And what we thought would never be possible, we saw in the last two and a half years, became a possibility. That we had to work hard for that not to be the case. We had to work hard together to maintain that harmony with all the differences that took place in the last two and a half years. It could be some external force. If somebody externally, if a person came in externally and tried to disrupt the harmony of this fellowship, there would be a circling of the wagons and that would not be true. But I'll tell you where the greater challenge to maintain harmony over hostility comes. It doesn't come from some false teaching. And it doesn't come from some external source. It comes from me. And it comes from you. It comes from inside these walls. It comes from us. If I'm busy serving the Lord and serving God's people, and that means taking His word to whoever has the need, and I'm not waiting to be served, I'm doing all I can to serve 
the word of God with people whose hearts need this word. I'm not going to have enough time to spend thinking about me. And that I'm not getting the attention that I feel like I deserve. Well, there it goes again. Everybody slobbers all over Jordan again. He's that young, dynamic fellow. I tell you, people just love him. They slobber all over him. What did I become? Just post toasties and burnt toast all of a sudden? And I just, nobody been shoved out the pasture. Here comes Jordan. Let Jordan get it. He gets all the attention. Nobody says anything to me about it. Good sermon, Jordan. Oh, thank you, Ricky. I hope you understand that is quite a demonstration that's not real. Because I don't care if you give Jordan all the encouragement that you can. Because the problem with that is you're going to be back of me. Because unless it's Holly, I'm going to be first in line. But that's the same way I feel about you. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Am I making the announcements? Am I leading the singing? Did I get called up and lead the prayer? The question is, am I doing my, my responsibility of serving the Most High God where I can to create harmony with people, to build relationships? And if I get to do that in the background where I don't get the attention, and that means nobody sticks their tongue out at me when, I walk, when they walk out the door, then that's great. I love what the psalmist said. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And what that simply means is if I can be a servant in the lowest, humblest way in the house of God, then I'd rather do that than simply be a, than be a dwell in the house of wickedness. Just let me open the door for somebody. Let me serve you somehow. So it's harmony, not hostility. I would aver that this is the greatest period of time to be a member of the Lord's church and to be a part of the Lord's people. We have the greatest assets before us I'm not a social media guy, understand, you understand that, but I will tell you, there is a good use of it. I know I had to swallow hard to say that, but there's a good use for that. There are people who are using it in a mighty way to help spread the gospel. I appreciate that. That's just not my niche. I don't know things about it. Now, if you want to sit down across the table and find out, I can tell you one-on-one one -on -one what the book says. But we got people who know about that. We're blessed with that. We even have cars. Marvel. You can drive across Dallas to study with somebody. You don't have to drive across Dallas. Zoom. Team. Blue Jean. You can get on there and you can have a conversation with someone in India if you can speak Indian. You think about the time we live in to spread the gospel. And all we're going to do is a lot of navel gazing. Have our head down whining and complaining. 
fussing and griping because it didn't go the way I thought it ought to go? Well, it didn't always go the way I think it ought to go either. But have you learned it's not about me? It's about we. It's not about they. It's not about others. It's about us. The greatest challenge to physical health is not external. Sadly, I'm not mocking it. It's serious. It's sad. It's devastating. It's horrendous. Gun shootings are not our greatest, greatest threat. More lives are lost, not from physical outward diseases, but because of heart diseases and internal diseases like cancer. More lives are lost because of internal failures than external assaults. And more local churches are destroyed by internal failures rather than external assaults. Lenin once said, the United States will never be destroyed by any outward assault. They will just die from within. And a fellowship of God's people will never be destroyed by any outward assault. But we can just die from within. But we get to make the difference who lives. And that brings me to this. The real point of this lesson was to lay the groundwork for something I want to share with you that I hope you will find exciting and I hope I can do an adequate job of explaining to you. A moment of history. Please give me a little bit longer. I know it's almost 12, but this is something I really need to lay out for you, so please bear with me. I am imposing your time. I realize that. Probably 28 years ago, we had a member here by the name of Scott Powers. Scott now lives in the Louisville, Kentucky area. He was a Kentucky Wildcat, and he couldn't wait to get back to the wilderness, so he left the promised land and has lived in the wilderness ever since. And is now, like many of us, is a Dallas Cowboy fan, fan, a frustrated Kentucky Wildcat fan. But Scott and I collaborated and put together what has gone through the upteenth emanation of what is now the outreach group that you have every Sunday when the lights blink. First of all, it started with the whole congregation. All that were interested would gather in the blue room. That was the old, old big classroom in the old college park building. Is blue because it had blue carpet and blue seats. Therefore, called the blue room. Easy for people to identify. Those that wanted to come would come back there, and we would go down the whole roster of people. I would lead the meeting. We'd go down the whole roster of people. Okay, uh, Eric's not here. Does anybody know why Eric's not here? Okay, who would like to call Eric? Okay, uh, 
Michelle's not here. Is anybody want Michelle not here? Okay, who would like to call Michelle? And today we have, we have these miniature cars today. Today we have uh, Phyllis Flood Vision with us. Who would like to call Phyllis? And we'd go around the room. We'd go down the whole roster, and that's how, we, that's how we would deal with people. That's how we kept up with people. But, you know, all mechanical things have to be tweaked. And over a number of years, it died out. It just kind of died. And we tried to continue it in 2003 when we got in this building, and then we, we realized, okay, uh, we got, we got to change this. And so we, we changed it to another mode. And that worked for a while, and then we changed it to another mode, and then we changed it to, to what we now have with, with Kevin Peterson and Ron Ritchie being the deacons that take care of the outreach group that we have. And so each Sunday, a group, I think it's group three today, uh, meets, and so the lights are going to flick, and there's your sign. When the lights flick, please go to the back. And we're going to go over then all the people who have needs and all the visitors. Who wants to write this card? Who wants to give this? Who wants to call that? And we also try to collect people who can give people rides, who need rides. And so we go through that, and each group takes the responsibility for the ride of people who need it or whatever the need is that week. The intent of all that is so that nobody falls through the cracks, so that everybody feels a part. Everybody is touched in some way by somebody, and it's not just the preachers, not just the elders that do that. It therefore enfolds everybody into that commitment. Well, everything mechanical has to be tweaked. And one of the frustrations has been, and this is not to sound accusatory in any way, just is what it is. It's just, it's just what it is. Even our outreach groups have begun to kind of dwindle so that just a few show up. The group leader, maybe two or three other families show up back there and, and go over it. So probably about three months ago, maybe four, the elders met with the deacons. We, we had a collaborative time period with them in which we talked about the whole work. And we do that almost every year. We, we meet with the deacons and have a collaborative day with them, which we try to talk about the whole work, all the ins and outs, the nuances of the work. What, what, are, we, what are we missing? What do we need, what, what do we need here? What, what, what do we need to do here? And so this time, what we did was we divided the church into five different areas of consideration. Like there was an area of worship. And Paul Bennett headed, headed that, was the deacon that headed that up. He had uh, an elder in his group and also uh, three other deacons that worked with him. Every group had a, a, a deacon that was in the lead. An elder was in that group that was in the background, not leading it, was in that background for reference if needed. And then we had uh, social media. We had uh, a website. We had uh, evangelism. We had visitors. And we had uh, member engagement. Uh, how many of you... Raise of hands. How many of you like the spotlight? You like the spotlight that comes out? The spotlight that comes out, that Ron sends out? Okay, it comes out every Monday or Tuesday, every spotlight. You like that? That's a result of the work that Ron Ritchie, uh, Justin Chapman, uh, Gerald Holt, and Kevin Peterson, did I get them all wrong? Uh, all did in their collaborative work how to, how to, re, how to stay in touch with people. And so you were asked, you received an email, and you were asked to fill out this form on Spotlight, to be the Spotlight. And so it was to ask you, okay, uh, what's your name? How long have you been here? Are you related to anybody? Uh, what, what's your favorite song? Who's your favorite person? Who'd you like to meet? What's your bucket list? And on, it was to help us get to know each other better, know something about you better. And there have been a lot of positive responses as a result of that. Well, the second part of that is this. 
Starting July 1st. Starting July 1st. What we're going to propose is a new way to handle our groups. A new set of groups. I'm going to talk through you some of the mechanics, and then we're going to talk about the groups. This all has the, pre, has the, pretense, uh, the pre-context of believers belonging together. That's what this is all about. First of all, the new groups are designed to provide a structure for work or activities, a form within which everyone can exercise their faith and love for God through specific service. These functions align with our purpose and work as Christians. Hope is that from volunteering to engage in a particular function, renewed energy, greater fellowship, and devotion will result. Therefore, everyone should volunteer for a group, no matter your age. There's something for everyone. All are needed. Furthermore, sign-up for groups will be performed biannually. Every six months, there'll be new sign-up. Members can only be part of one group at a time. Put a peg there in just a moment. There's a limit of 55 members in each group, which will be assigned as a first-come, first-serve basis. Obviously, you know the groups I'm talking about yet, so hold up. Don't jump ahead of me here. Stay with me here. Again, the sign-ups we perform every six months. We ask you to be a part of one group at a time. Limit of 55 members in each group, and there are enough groups that that will include the whole. Next consideration. Each group will meet no less than once a month, some meeting weekly, if desired. The frequency of the meeting being determined by the type of work performed and the desire of the members in that group. At least one meeting will be in person. Virtual meetings can be utilized. And then... Contact of leaders and members will be through various methods. Methods, Virtual meeting through Zoom or Teams. Emails, text messages, phone calls, or Telegram Messenger are useful methods. If you don't know what Telegram Messenger is, then I'll tell you who you can talk to in just a moment. But that's an app on your phone. For example, uh, Aaron Bond and Matt Sanders uh, and the outreach guys use this app. And what it does, so if Paul and Renee are visiting today... Aaron's back there, and he says, okay, in section two, midway down, you have this brunette, and you have this gray-haired fellow that looked like a match, but they're sitting together, and uh, they're visiting with us today. They're, they're Paul and Renee Bennett, and they're from Bug Tussle, Idaho. They're visiting with us today. Or they've just moved to Dallas from, and their affiliation is. And so it identifies who the group, who that visitor is in this, in this audience. And that goes immediately to that app. Those who are plugged into the app immediately see that. So that's the app. Some groups will need quick exchange of information. The Telegram Messenger has proven to be useful and will be utilized. So that's the instruction. Now here are the groups. I'm going to talk to each one uh, individually. First of all, there's a group we've called the Encouragement Group. Addressing the spiritual needs of the family, of the the members. the group leader in that group, we've asked to be Justin Chapman. Justin will head up the encouragement group. The encouragement group is just what it says. That group will meet and they will study about and talk about ways to encourage others. The process of that will be determined by Justin and the group. But it could be not limited to 
writing notes, sending emails, phone calls. Much of what is done in the outreach group will be involved in this group too, or also. And so, uh, also there will be ways to stay in touch with each other uh, with this. So it's just what it says, encouragement. It's an encouragement group. So if you want to be in an encouragement group, then Justin Chapman will be the guy that is the leader in that group, and he'll be the one leading that group. The second is the evangelism group, and it's just what it suggests to engage in external evangelism opportunity and, and, and some how-to stuff. And Jordan Schaus will be the group leader in that group. Again, some of the outreach stuff will filter through the evangelism group also. So we're not going to miss the stuff that's taking place in the outreach right now. We're simply putting that in another area, to, three other areas to work. So it'll be about evangelism. Uh, it'll be contacting people, how you organize, like some of the neighborhood studies we've had through the years. That'll be part of that. And Jordan has some things that will be helpful to carrying out evangelism, if, that, if that's your taste. Then the next group will be service, assisting in the physical needs. And this will be the third group that will be part of the outreach information. So encouragement group, evangelism group, and service group will be part of the outreach information as a part of it. Brian Turquette will be the man that heads up that group. And that activity is just, that group is just what it sounds like, is to provide service to people who need that service or how we can help others and be aware of that. The next group is called the enfolding group. The enfolding group and encouragement group do have some similarity. There's a slight overlap in some of these. We acknowledge that. But enfolding group is, okay, we have new people who've come into us. Like uh, some, uh, some of you guys, is it 50 new members or so we've had Rick come in in the last little while? 50 new members come in. Now, let me back up here. We talked about existing or being a fellowship. We talked about existing under a roof or being a fellowship. And we have 50 new people within a year and a half come join us. Are we going to be the Lions Club or are we going to be the Lord's Church? How can we take those new people? So, those of us who've been here a while, we know each other. We know what makes each other tick. We know, we know how to push the buttons. We know each other. I've known Brian and Jana since they were in high school, since they were seniors. We've known each other. But those who have come in that are new to us don't. How, how do we help those who are new to us feel a part of and be pulled into the group? That's the enfolding group. That's, I'm not saying one's more important than the other, but that's a big deal. Because we don't want our new members to come in and say, well, I just feel like I'm lost in the numbers. And we hear that. We hear that. And we don't like that. We don't want that to be the case. Because this is not the Lions Club. This is the Lord's Church. So that's the unfolding group. The next group is song worship. Tom Pledger will be heading that work up. It will encompass the totality of all that goes with our song worship. It will not be so focused solely and only on developing and learning new songs, but that will be part of it. It will be on song worship and all the, all the aspects of what song worship involves. And Tom is gifted, and Tom will be great to help, help us in, in that group. And so if you're interested in that, then Tom is the guy you need to talk to. And then the next is deeper study. And I will lead that group. And the first study we're going to have is, who's the tenth horn of the ten horns of the dragon that's in the book of Revelation? 
yeah. And then we figure him out, we're going to go to the, to the fifth horn and figure him out. No, what we're going to do is try to do some things that may be more specialized than what we get to in our Bible classes. And so if you're interested in deeper study, I didn't say over your heads, uh, I still will try to communicate in a way that's understandable, but this will be the thing that will of interest to you. And then finally will be the group on prayer. And Martin Henderson will head that up. It will not just simply get, be getting, getting together and praying for people. Martin will also be talking about the different aspects of prayer, the place of prayer in our life, enhancing our prayer, growing in our prayer life, let me put it that way, uh, looking at what the Bible says about prayer. And so that group will meet, and Martin Henderson is the group leader there. Now let me go back to something I said I wanted to put a peg on. I said sign up for groups will be performed biannually every six months. So the group you're signing up for between now and June 11th, June 11th is the cutoff date. No, July, is it June 11th? June 11th is the cutoff date. Ron will be sending out links through email for you to sign up for the group you choose. Also, for those who are not adept at computer stuff, there will be a paper copy in each box. So paper copies will be there, and when you fill out the paper copy, give it to Ron, uh, uh, just, just you, oh, just give it to Ron so it doesn't have to go through the other guys, Gerald and uh, Justin and, and, and Kevin. When you fill out the paper, give it to Ron, you fill out the blank on the computer, it's going to go back to him, and he'll, he'll get the organization, how all this flows. So first of all, the group you're signing up for is for six months. Second of all, the thing I put a peg on, we ask that members only be a part of one group at a time. We can already hear the wheels turning because we've already heard the wheels turning. Well, but what if I want to be a member of another one? Or what if my wife wants to be a member of this one and I'll be a member of that one? What, what if I'm not a member of the song group, singing group, but I want to go join in the singing? Well, obviously, folks, we're not going to lock the door. Okay, we've got 55, lock the door, nobody's going to come in. We're not going to set this up where we exclude anybody. But at least from a goal and purpose point. Obviously, if there's a husband and wife that's involved, the husband and wife want to be together. They don't want to be going to two different groups. And so we understand there's going to be some cross-pollination here that takes place. But as much as we can, we ask you to participate in that one group for those six months with the proviso, understanding there might be some cross-pollination that takes place along the way. It's a structural thing to try to keep the thing flowing in an organized kind of way. But if you show up at Tom and Elaine's and you're not in the singing group and say, I want to sing tonight, Tommy's not going to go, you have to go home. He's going to say, okay, come on in. And you come deeper study group and your husband's not there or your wife's not there, I'm going to say, sorry, you can't understand what the tenth, you will never know who the tenth horn is. It's only for us, only us. This is closed, closed information. You get it? You get what I'm saying? Sign up for six months and try to participate in that group and limit yourself to that. And then, here's the deal. The next six months, we'll rotate around. Now, here's the hope in this. Here's the hope in this. 
Here's the real serious hope in this. We hope. We hope by this being more function, volunteer oriented, as opposed to what's been done for years. We've got the eight groups. Okay, we shuffle the groups every year and a half. Ron puts all the names in, shuffles the deck, comes out. Okay, he divides the groups up. Ron's done a great job for us, for us doing that for years. Ron's done a yeoman's job for that. That when you sign up for this group that you want, you'll really want to be there. And you'll really want to be a part of it. And you'll really want to participate in it because that's the one you're interested in. And you signed up for that and you said, I want to be there to be part of that. I want to share what that is. So I've heard several positive things about Kevin's Fruit of the Spirit class and how Kevin conducts that class. Folks, that's this. That's this. This is Kevin's structure of a class. That's what this is. If you want to get together on a smaller basis like they do in the Fruit of the Spirit class in which you share things like that as Kevin conducts the class, that's what this is. That's what we're trying to lay out. And so we hope that you'll be more energetic and more enthused to be there. But it will depend upon our participation in it. Obviously, we're not going to twist anybody's arm behind their, behind their back. We want you to want to do it. We want you to want to be there. We appreciate this. I want to emphasize, this is not a byproduct of the elders' thinking. The elders endorse this and promote this and have our 100% support for it. This is a byproduct of the work these deacons did and Jordan. Because Jordan joined in with helping them understand how they can lay this out. And so Jordan's experience with this is helping us in this as well. So don't think, okay, well, the elders came up with this. No, we support it. We want to do it. We're behind it 100%. In the end, it has our name on it. We recognize that. But understand, we're at the bottom of the food chain, not the top of the food chain. We're not bosses telling you what to do. We're asking you, will you serve in this way? This is something our deacons and Jordan helped come up with in this. So sign up will begin immediately when you get the link or it's put in your box. You add to June 11th. The new groups will start July 1st. And when July 1st comes, the present outreach, outreach system will be no more. It will be blown up. It will be part of our dusty history. And so we ask you to be part of this. Now, if you have any questions about this, I gave you the name of the group leaders. Let me revert those one more time. Justin Encouragement, Jordan Evangelism, Service Brian Turquette, Enfolding Rick Foster. Uh, I think I missed Rick. Enfolding Rick Foster, Singing Tom Pledger, Deeper Study Myself, Prayer Martin Henderson. Or if you have other questions, you can talk to Ron, Gerald, Justin, or Kevin Peterson because they know all about this. So I hope I put that in an understandable way for you. We're just trying, folks, to help people belong. Believers belong. We're trying to help be dependent on one another. We're trying to help each other stand on the same ground. And we're trying to create a relationship that's harmonious together. We want everybody. Paul talked about the least part. Okay, if you feel like you're the least, he said the least is still important. As I close, 
I think about the members of the body, this physical body. You know, we talk about vestigial organs like we can live without them. So, you know, I had cataract surgery just recently. And I asked my ophthalmologist, I said, is this going to be good when you do this? Is this going to be as good as, as, uh, at what, as what it was before I had cataracts and glasses? He said, you mean the original equipment? I said, yes, sir. Is this going to be as good as original equipment? He said, no, nothing's as good as the original equipment. And it's better. I don't need glasses, but it's not like the original equipment. There's still things that, you know, sometimes come in and out. And we think we can live without an appendix, and we think we live without a gallbladder. Nah, it's not the same. It just isn't the same. Once the original equipment's gone, it ain't replaced. I don't care if you can have a transplant or not. It's not as good as the original. And here's the take home. It doesn't matter how small that organ is in our body or how significant or small you think you are in this fellowship, which is not true. You are a most important part of this partnership. Please, please understand that. And our shepherds want you to know that. We don't want anybody feeling like they don't have a place or can't have a place in this fellowship of people. This is a very, very precious relationship. You've been patient with me. I know I took your time, but I think this is important. Did not know how to lay this out any other way. We're going to stand and sing a song. That will be for our encouragement. And if there's a pressing need that you have in some way, then once you come, while together we stand this while we sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.